This is episode number eight with writer and author Sully McCain. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your hosts, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. Today's guest, Sylla McCain, is a deceivingly genteel Southerner with a sharp wit and a will of steel. She is a former fiction writer who is now thoroughly entrenched in taking on the mission of telling stories never told. Sylla is helping military families of this nation's fallen when they are faced with loss that does not fit the conventional military manner of death. She's fighting alongside these families to help them get the honor, loyalty, and respect they deserve. Now, here's Barb Allen with author of Murder and Banker Company and Huffington Post contributor, Scylla McCain. Hello, and welcome to American Snippets, featuring stories of American exceptionalism. I'm Barb Allen. My co-founder and partner is Dave Brown. Today's guest is author Scylla McCain. Scylla's first book, Murder and Baker Company, is about the murder of Army Specialist Richard Davis at the hands of fellow soldiers. Since releasing that book, Scylla has become more entrenched in her efforts to shine a spotlight on a subject matter most people know nothing about and many people would prefer to bury, murder in the military ranks. Welcome, Scylla, and thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Barbara. So I know all too well, unfortunately, the loneliness and how often overwhelming the odds are when you're facing telling these stories that people are quick to label you anti-military or irrational or just, um, you know, out there like a left-wing crazy mm-hmm. lady. Um, you yeah. know, when in fact, all you're really doing is trying to tell the truth about stories that are demanding to be told and will, in effect, then protect people who are serving from unnecessary harm by educating them and perhaps changing policies that will protect them from the same cases. I know my motivation is personal after the murder of my husband, but um, how about you tell us a little bit what could possibly drive you? You know, you haven't had this personally happen to you, and it's rare to find somebody who will invest so much time and effort and go through this grueling process to shine a light on stories um, for families that are so often forgotten. Well, it, it came about quite accidentally, really. Um, I grew up near Fort Benning, and so I was very familiar with the military culture. A lot of my family members were in the military. And um, when Richard Davis, Army Specialist Richard Davis, was murdered, um, it it was such a horrific crime. And, and the, the rage that went into killing him um, stabbed more than 100 times and set on fire within 48 hours of returning from the invasion on Iraq. Um, you know, everyone was had all these theories about why this had happened to this soldier. And they seemed to believe that this soldier, it was so horrible that soldiers don't do this to one another. So there must, this guy must have done something to cause Deserve this, it. you know, incident. When in reality, that is not at all the case, of course. Um, I became very close with his father, Lanny Davis during the process of of writing the book, um, just trying to help him cope. It was cathartic for him to speak about um, what had happened to his son and to talk through it with someone. And um, 
So what I did was, as I I started getting near the end of writing the book, I wanted to find Lanny a support group. He had tried to go to um, Parents of Murdered Children. That did not work um, because it's what I call, and I believe the psychiatrists call it, a complicated grief. It's stunted. You can't go through all the normal process of grief. As you probably know, when you are facing um, a lack of transparency, when you don't have all the answers and you know that there there's more to it. Yeah. Um, so I, that didn't work for him. So I fumbled around the Internet and I found a group of families. Believe it or not this little subculture of military families that was going through the same thing. And I made, I made the introduction with Lanny in the hopes that it would help him cope. And he could talk to someone um, who knew what this was like, because it's very different. You are, you are grieving and you are, for lack of a better word, fighting your own government to acknowledge um, or, or mistakes that may have occurred. Um, so Lanny, that really wasn't his style, you know, but I remained close with the families and through that, you know, they reached out to me, I reached out to them and it just evolved. It, it evolved into this movement, um, that resulted in us, uh, Tracy Shue and I, along with Kimberly Stallman created military families for justice as a resource site so that families have something to hang on to and they can help themselves. So tell us a little bit. So that, that initial. Yeah. Yeah. So um, about military families for justice, what is that? It, can people go online and find out about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The military families for justice, um, dot org. Um, it's totally nonprofit. We do not see nor accept donations. Um, we put up sample cases so that families, other families can see what other families have done to, so that they can try it too. Because the thing is, if you don't know exactly what to do, nobody's going in the military is going to tell you. Right. Um, so we, we've created a handbook of sorts where, you know, these are the steps to try first. They're not going to be the same in every family situation, but it's, it's something to hang on to something to help the families get started in the process of uncovering the truth. Because when you put in a freedom of information act request to the military, you better know exactly what What you want is you well know, you better be able to name that document or you're not getting anywhere. You get, you get a form back that says in a no answer. You know, if you don't, you can't just say, send me everything. And no, they're not going to do that, you know, and and there's a lot of difficulties in that. So that is our goal, that and getting the Bill of Rights, a a Bill of Rights for for bereaved military families passed um, so that the so that the survivors can speak for the deceased. And when I say that. What happens is, is when the deceased person, you know, they're no longer in the military They're they can't give permission for their parent or their spouse or whatever to ask for certain documentation. For instance, Lanny Davis couldn't get his son's medical records. Wow. You know, and so 
in the United Kingdom, they allow, they have a custom, they allow military families to speak for the deceased. And has passed on for whatever reason, the, their surviving family member can step into their shoes, access all the information that, that they need. If there is a question regarding how the, the uh, service member died, the United Kingdom provides experts for the family, attorneys for the family, and a forum in which to present their case against the military, not not against the military, but their side of the sure. situation. So that's what we would like to see happen here in the United States. There's no reason that we can't do that. I can tell you, and for anybody um, reading this or listening who has not had this happen to you, having that mm-hmm. resource available would have absolutely changed so many things for our families. It is When you are in such a situation, you are grieving, hardcore grieving the loss of somebody you love so much, and you find yourself up at odds with the system that you you believed in and that your husband or wife or son or daughter died for uh, or died with, and they throw the full force of that institution against you now because for whatever reason, you know, they prefer that family members do not have access to the situation, even in instances where it's not a special operation or high security, you know, that where it's national security at risk. And that's a separate issue. But um, Mm -hmm. so to have something like that be done and accomplished would 100% change the lives, absolutely change the lives in the healing process of the families that are behind. So that mm-hmm. is a truly extraordinary effort, um, one that is well worth supporting. Go to that site, go to militaryfamiliesforjustice.org, check that out, get that information, pass it along to somebody you may know in the same situation would be great. Um, so I was going to ask you what advice you have for people who are navigating the military judicial system, but we have actually addressed that. Do you have any... Well- Alternate advice, uh, uh, additional advice for families who may find themselves. Don't be blinded by the wall of brass. You are in grief. You, You will be in grief a long time. But those first few weeks are critical in that you if you if your gut is telling you something is wrong, follow that instinct, even. Follow it all the way through because we have learned through, you know, sources that the military knows about how long it takes a family to give up. Really? And yes, this is not something that they publicly acknowledge, but uh, privately they know in the offices where they're talking about where, you know, this family or that family is, is, is raising a ruckus. They know that in most cases, within two years, that family, out of frustration, wow. will give up and, and leave them alone. So they will drag it out. I mean, I'm not trying to speak negatively of the military. I'm talking the administrative Department of Defense process. They will drag it out. They do not like to have their findings questioned. They don't like to admit mistakes. And so you just have to hang on. 
If you go to militaryfamiliesforjustice.org, there is a handbook, what to do. What are your first steps? Download that. It's in PDF format. Download that. Read it. Know it. And reach out for help. You know, um, if you feel like something is wrong, it may, you may be wrong. You know, they, maybe they are completely accurate. But you do have a right to all of the information about your loved one. Right. So that's what that's my advice. That is sound okay, advice. To, to out, you know, pull those boots up, honey. It's hard work. <laughs> that's that's a really work. great way of saying it. And um, I can tell you know, people that I reached out to you for the same thing when I was in that situation um, and I looking, trying desperately um, not to feel alone in this world that is almost designed to make you feel alone. Uh, you know, I started mm-hmm. looking for information and research and I found your book, Murder and Baker Company, and I devoured it, you know, quickly. And I, because so many people and within the military, they kept saying, this is an isolated case. You'll hear that mm-hmm. often. This is an isolated case. Well, this is an isolated case. I don't know how many times people looked me straight in the eye and told me that ours was an isolated case. When in fact, that is not at all true. No, um, far from the truth. So reading your book was my first insight into the fact that, you know, the so many of the situations were shockingly the same in what the family went right. through. And when I reached out to you, I'm like, oh, she's never going to answer me. You know, this is a big author. I'm like, she's never going to answer me. I always answer. And you always answer. And that is key. So, uh, you know, not to flood you with a million unnecessary or, you know, trivial. Um, messages from people, but um, militaryfamiliesforjustice.org, I would say, is absolutely a great resource when you're in in such a situation. In the civilian world, you have resources available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for instance, my children who were, I had four small children and I needed a traumatic grief counselor and somebody to help me. It wasn't um, it wasn't as though their father died of natural causes. We had time to prepare or anything like that. It was, like you said, compounded by tragedy. There was violence. There was murder. We were caught up in a in a trial. Their mother was leaving. I didn't know how to navigate it. In the civilian world, we have social workers and people who are highly skilled and trained to help these children who have gone through trauma like that. When mm-hmm. I reached out to the military, there's no such uh, resource available. And when I reached out to my community, I was told with great regret, I will say I was told this, but my children were not eligible for those resources because my husband did not die in our county. And so our children did not qualify for these mm-hmm. trained people who could have helped them deal with traumatic right. grief. I mean, violent crime impacts you. That is is like a whole series of things. So your bill. That's would, shameful. It's shameful. You, yeah. And I tried, I tried, um, I went to the ends of the earth to try to find somebody to help all of us. So your bill would just make uh, all of this different for people. Cause it's not a problem that's going to go away as long as it's never human, going to go away. Right. Um, research shows this, this, this has been going on always yes. really, uh, in the nineties, uh, a group of families did manage to make it all the way to the halls of Congress. Um, that's another thing I recommend people read. Uh, we have a, the Pallone report on our website, and it outlines a study, a three-year study that was done by Congressman Pallone um, about this situation and and what 
families are up against. You know, they say, well, if he went jogging a lot, he was a loner. Um, if he had credit cards, oh, he must have been over his head with debt. You know, these crazy just it's they're supposed to go in. The investigators are supposed to go in and treat every unattended death or injury as a potential crime. Most often it's the other way around. Right. They go in and they treat it like a suicide and they hammer that square peg into that round hole and and they make know, it fit. They, right. Yeah, they make it fit. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a really important bill. And I ask anybody that signs the petition to ask their congressperson to sponsor the bill, because that's what we need is, is someone to sponsor it. and nobody's no okay. congressperson they'll respond with a nice little form letter we love our veterans da, da, right. da, 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 you know but that's not helpful right now and we need a sponsor for this bill too okay. so that our families won't have to go through the additional trauma and so like if it. if a representative was interested in learning more about this you would be available to speak to them um, if they don't want to just blindly sign and sponsor a bill you would be willing to meet with them and discuss Absolutely. it and, and answer any of their questions. Answer their questions. Okay. We realize that it may have to be, you know, altered in some way sure. in order to be presented to Congress. So we are open to discussion, you know, as long as it addresses the problem and helps and it helps families. Um, I know families who have spent have mortgaged their homes uh, to hire attorneys and experts. And it just shouldn't be that way. Right. No, it really shouldn't. Um, the expenses of attending these trials and the hearings and getting the information and traveling where you have to do to speak to conduct your own investigations. Right. I've been down that road, too. It's awful. Very, I very, know you have. It's a very exhausting. Mm-hmm. Very it's exhausting. It's a tragedy. And um, I have to commend you because you have hung on <laughs> so well. And you're saying you know? Well, that's up for debate, <laughs> given the particular day. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, but, but know. you know, as for why I do it, you can't unring the bell. Right. And once I was awakened to this problem, and you're getting emails from a, a grief-stricken widow or mother or child, right. you don't ignore that. You know, I can't ignore that. So. Well. That is commendable as well. So let's backtrack just a little bit here. Um, Tell us a little bit about your background before you wrote this first book. I mean, at one point before Murder and Baker Company, you were still a McCain (laughs) going going about your business. I was going about, oh, well, I've always been a a writer, you know, short stories. I've written books, fiction. I was focused on the fiction world. And, um, I liked it there. <laughs> but when this came along, you know, I don't know, it touched me. It just touched me. What happened to Richard Davis um, will stay with me forever. And his father, unfortunately, passed away in 2009. Lanny was a career military himself. He was a military right. policeman. And um, I just cared very deeply for these people. And then I met Tracy Shue. And then I met Kimberly Stallman. 
and you, and the list goes and on and on. you're surrounded by widows. <laughs> and I, yes, I am. And, but these women like you are fighters and um, they're not giving up and they need people in their corner. And what I've seen happen in the last year or two is more outsiders like myself are starting to acknowledge, oh, this is not right. I do believe this family. Something's wrong. You know, what can I do uh, to help them? And so we've been very fortunate that some uh, high profile people, attorneys and and whatnot, um, have stepped forward and do try to help the best they can. That is good. Hopefully more people will jump on board or at least inquire about it. I know there are so many things out there in the world today people are so concerned about and rightly so. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to capture the attention of something that has really no impact on them directly, you know, in their day-to-day lives. But when you take a moment and point it out, and if you can help them grasp the significance of the military, like where would we be without our military? And as it is an all-volunteer force, I mean, what is going to compel these people to continue to volunteer when they're deployed, right. t- they're already being deployed multiple times or coming back wounded mentally, physically. Um, and now they're exposed to this additional risk that the military is not mm-hmm. taking steps that it should be taking to protect mm-hmm. them from these unnecessary risks. Maybe if, you, if they, these people stop to think like, well, then what happens if people stop volunteering for our military? What happens? Um, where well, what would happens we be? You get a draft and you, and you go whether you want to or not. Right. You know? Um, so they need to, they really need to take care of the families, take care of these families and, and let the service people know, you know, I've always said it, it actually for the, for the department of defense and all the military branches to admit a mistake, you know, or to not be afraid to admit, yes, we had a murder, you know, as in with your husband, um, I think that strengthens them. Absolutely. I don't think it weakens them. It, I think it makes them stronger and it sends the message. We're not going to put up with this crap. Right. You know, we're going, if, if you break the law, you are going down, you know, and we expect you to follow the rules. And I don't know. I think that it, it's a, it's a public image issue. They, they really like to appear to be made of steel. And I understand that, but, you got to draw the line somewhere. And do you think an argument could also be made to that? Because I've you know run into that as well. Do you think mm-hmm. the argument could also be made that when somebody like the Department of Defense, the military in general, comes mm-hmm. out and says, oh my goodness, yes, this is an issue. I mean, how many years did it take before they acknowledge that sexual assaults are an issue? Right. Exactly. And so exactly. now people say, well, at least they're admitting it. You know, the fact that you are openly stating, yes, this is an issue does not mean you necessarily created the issue. It means you've acknowledged that there is a problem and you Mm -hmm. have the backs of everybody in those ranks and you're going to step up and do what's necessary to take care of them. Hey, we got you, you know, we got you. This is a team. We're going to look out for Mm -hmm. our team instead of ourselves. Don't you think that that would send that message and maybe encourage people to stay enlisted or or sign up? Absolutely, because they want you to feel like a family. They want you to be a part of the team and a brotherhood and a sisterhood yeah. now. And uh, they, 
if you don't, when I say you, I mean the Department of right. Defense, Marines, the Navy, the Army. If you don't step up and have their back or have their families back, you know, you're never going to really have a cohesive team of people. They're always going to be wondering, all right, are they going to just kick me to the curb, you know, if something goes wrong? And um, so really, yes, I do. I absolutely do believe that it, it would make everything stronger if they would just acknowledge it. Right. They did create, and I think it was 2011, I may be wrong about the date, a uh, violent crimes division. I don't know what has happened with that since, but they did create it. And to me, that was a small, little teeny tiny step at towards acknowledging right. we've got some violent crimes taking place among our ranks. So I hope to see that expanded more. Um you know, to, to prosecute crimes correctly and, and to help the families. And to help the families who are left mm-hmm. behind or even the victims of, of, of right. assaults, the victims that are um, left to carry the wounds of, of the assaults. Right. Um, okay, so one last question here before we okay. let you go about your business. What would your advi- advice be to anyone who is trying to accomplish a goal that they have set, even when people around them may not support that goal or may not believe in that goal? Um, you know, when the doubt starts to set in, when they're tired from all of their other responsibilities and start to think, is it worth it? Should I do this? Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any words um, for them? Maybe from when you found yourself in the same position, what did you tell yourself? Um, or did you look to anybody for inspiration to keep going? Um, my family, fortunately, has been very supportive. You know, I joke that they gave up the dining room for all <laughs> the documents that I have. <laughs> but I think that it has to come from deep within. You you have to really, if you believe in it, if you believe in it, no matter what anyone else is saying, Stick to your guns and you're going to get tired and you're going to think to yourself, why am I doing this? Nobody believes me. Nobody supports this. They're sick to death of hearing about it. You know, the the list goes on. But then you look at the people who need that help. And if it's you, you know, surround yourself with like minded people the best that you can. And and don't just. It's hard. Um, you have to take breaks and, and reassess. And you also have to be willing. This is very important. You also have to be willing to accept things that you may not initially agree with. You have to be willing to see facts, see beyond your emotions and look at the facts. And that's really where, you know, it comes down to. Because you're, if you're emotional and you're seeing everything through those emotional grief-stricken eyes, it can yeah. be hard. But if you have facts from somebody that you trust, stick with the facts. You know, go where the facts take you. Good advice. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for emailing me back those years ago when I... <laughs> <laughs> when I, when I sent that random people. email. I know you always answer people. That is yeah. so refreshing. So thank you very, very much. I hope to stay in touch. If you have any updates, yes. any new developments, you'll let us know and we'll pass that along. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Barbara. Thanks so much. Well, there you have it, guys. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. Please check out the full article and video interview with Scylla McCain at americansnippets.com forward slash 008. Please like, comment, tell us what you think. We love hearing back from our followers. And be sure to share this story uh, all over social media. And if you want more information on Scylla McCain or you're interested in supporting her mission and helping our military families, please visit SillaMcCain.com. Thank you again for joining us on this episode. Again, this is American Snippets. We're living, defending, and promoting the American dream. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. See you next time.